turn in God's Word tonight to Psalm 138. Psalm 138 as we look at this beautiful testimony, this beautiful profession of faith that David makes in this psalm. So fitting, so applicable for a profession of faith that we have heard tonight as well. Let's hear God's breathed out word to us this evening. Psalm 138 of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increase. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. As far as the reading of God's word, let's again bow in prayer. Lord, we ask that your spirit will touch our hearts through the reading and preaching of your word so that we may be strengthened by it and that it will draw unto yourself those who have not yet committed to you as yet. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. I want to look at two main points from Psalm 138 this evening. First of all, of David's desire or we could subtitle it, a call to give thanks. Secondly, David's profession, or we could subtitle it, the reasons to give thanks. David's desire and David's profession. That's the way the psalm begins. I give you thanks. But how? David says, I give you thanks with my whole heart. So I ask you to to reflect with me for just a moment. What is wholehearted thankfulness? What does that mean? Does it mean to give God thanks with one's whole heart? Well, perhaps you you can think about this as as parents. Perhaps uh, you as a parent have given your son or daughter a job, a task, a responsibility. You know they didn't like it. You know they weren't happy with it. You know they were probably upset with you. They had other things to do. And so they, they slough off over to the task that you have given. And, and they go about the work. And in a few minutes you come back and you say, what sort of half-hearted effort is that? You're not washing the dishes. Look at these dishes. Or you're not really mowing the lawn. Look at, look at what you're doing. You're not pulling weeds in the garden. Look at, look at what you've left behind. 
You, you've left half of the weeds. That, that's not a wholehearted effort. I want you to give it your all. The question is, brother and sister in Christ, out of the seven days and 24 hours of each of those days, how much of it are we really giving wholeheartedly to the Lord? Or are we sort of just sloughing through life? Are we just sort of, yeah, doing something, yeah, it's kind of a token thanks that we give to the Lord, or is it really a wholehearted thanksgiving? Even when it comes to the Lord's Day, what, what sort of effort do we give the Lord's Day? How much do we put into it? How much do we prepare ourselves? Do we stay out so late on a Saturday night that it's, that it's virtually an effort even to keep our eyes open for any length of time? And we say, yes, Lord, we're giving you wholehearted thanksgiving. And the Lord's going, no, you aren't. Your heart isn't in this. That's not wholehearted thanksgiving. That's not wholehearted worship. It's not wholehearted praise. See, when we hear the words wholehearted from David here, we are reminded that that, that means full. It means complete. But it also means true and sincere. It doesn't just mean loud and, and, and energized. It also means a sincerity about it. I've perhaps told you the, the story before, but it bears repeating. I, I remember going to some conference uh, of, of evangelical proportions, and we, we were singing some pretty beautiful uh, songs and hymns, and uh, a lady trucked in late, and she's holding her, her cup of uh, latte, and she comes in, and, and she, she walked in, and before she, she even had sat down, her hands are waving like this, you know, and she's singing like crazy, and, and then we, we get to the end of the line, and oh, she takes a sip. Hand comes down, and she sips again, misses the first two lines of the next stanza, and then immediately is back into it. One has to wonder from God's perspective of peering down. It sure looks like wholehearted at times. But is it truly sincere or was that just a show? Was that just a display? Was that just something one went through in order to, to follow along with the crowd? David calls us here to giving thanks to the Lord with our whole heart. Sincere and honest. Kind of worshipers that Jesus says the, the Lord is looking for. Those who worship sincerity and in truth. Those who are honest. Those who are involved. Those who are taking note of that which is going on. Who are not attending a social function. Who are not just here to put in a show, a display. But it's a whole hearted thanks the second thing to note: before the gods 
I sing your praise. If you listen to the various commentators or read them, there's much discussion about that word gods. But the same word is translated back in Psalm 82, verse 1, I believe it is, as mighty or the great. You see, and I, I think the perspective here is David is saying, I am willing to give that wholehearted praise. I am willing to give the Lord wholehearted thanks even before the great and the mighty of the earth, even before the powerful, even before the kings of the earth. See, now now picture this. Here's David as king, king of Judah. Judah is a pretty small speck of land. You know, to be king of Judah is maybe sort of be like, and I hope I don't ruffle any feathers, maybe like the governor of Rhode Island, okay? Sort of like, well, okay, you're governor, yes, but it's a pretty small state. David's king of Judah. And and the picture here is David saying, here I have a gathering of kings. And there's kings from, from all over the world. Strong, mighty, powerful empires. Empires that could literally swallow up Judah. Even before those kings, I will acknowledge and give wholehearted thanks to the Lord. Remember, David demonstrated this back in that that passage that tells us about the ark coming into Jerusalem. And it tells us that as the ark came in, David is dancing with all his might before the Lord. His wife Michael despises him in his heart. And yet David's response to her in that encounter is, I'm doing this before the Lord. I'm willing to humble myself, to give wholehearted thanks to the Lord. Well, it's one thing when you're amongst a group of slave girls, as the passage indicates. It's quite another thing when you're before the powerful and mighty. Think of this as a boardroom full of the highest and most powerful executives of the earth. Are you still willing to say, gentlemen, before we eat, I think we ought to give the Lord thanks? Or is that, ah, you know, I'm only the president of a small company. I better keep my mouth shut and just not say anything, not acknowledge it. After all, if I stand up, everybody's going to see me, and now we'll just let it pass. Obviously, the Lord doesn't care that much if we don't give him thanks before one meal. See, David is saying, look, even before those kings who are stronger and mightier and more powerful than I in this world, I am willing to take my stand and to give the Lord wholehearted thanks. And we may call that courage, and that's probably a good word for it. It's a word that that I guess I would think about as, as I reflected upon this passage. It's a word that comes to mind when I think of Anna. I mean, when, when, you, when you think about it, uh, of a young woman coming before a group of elders to profess their faith, that takes a little bit of courage. It takes a lot of courage. It's not like standing before youth group kids or even a small Sunday school class of younger kids and say, hey, I love the Lord, let's sing a song of praise. It's coming before these older Respected elders of the church to profess one's faith takes courage. 
I've seen that in Anna's life all along. A courage, a strength, an inner fortitude that says, I'm willing to, to not go with the flow. I'm willing to make my stand. I'm willing to make my profession. Even here tonight, to, to do what is being done, to stand and to, to answer these questions before you as witnesses is it's not an easy thing. Yet how often isn't it? How often isn't it, brother and sister, that we cower away? We become fearful of the high and mighty. We become fearful of those who, who have more money than we do, who have more power than we do, who have more influence than we do. And so we hide our faith, we cover our faith, we keep our faith secret. Yet the Lord calls us to give Him wholehearted thanks, even before the rich and the powerful and the mighty and the strong. This is the thanks to which we, we owe the Lord. This is the thanks to which the Lord calls us. Look with me again, these opening verses. Not only whole heart, not only before the gods, but look at verse 2. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Now here's the different perspective. Here's David as king. And yet what is he doing? What does verse 2 tell you he is doing? He's bowing down. Yet he's king. You know, often the thought of, you know, you're king. Everybody bows to you. Everybody bends that knee to you. You're king. David says, no. No, I'm willing to bow my knee before the one who is the true king of Israel. I'm willing to bow my knee before the one who is Lord, the one who is God. I'm willing to acknowledge his sovereignty over me. I am willing to humble myself. But you see, there's something else going on there too. Not only that, that humbling of his heart in terms of his position, it's in terms of his position amongst the people too. Because you see in the holy temple, who is there? It wasn't like there's an exclusive David time in the temple. And so at the exclusive David time, David just gets to enter and David does his bowing before the Lord, but nobody else really has to see. Now what David is referring to here are times of common worship when the people of God are there, when the high and mighty, but also when the humble, when the poor are there. And David is willing to bow before the Lord in the presence of those whose clothes aren't nearly as good as his. Who don't have near as much wealth as he does. Who, doesn't, who don't have his gift of music, who aren't assigned a position of leadership. David is willing to bow before the Lord right next to them. That's the kind of thanks. You see, it's a thanks that forgets about its surroundings. It's a, it's a thanks that is so focused on the Lord, it doesn't matter if you are with the rich and powerful, 
For if you are with the common man as king, you bow before the Lord your God. Now what moves a king such as David to do this? Why is it that David is willing to give forth this kind of thanks? There must be some reason to give something, anything, wholehearted thanksgiving. To be willing to acknowledge that before the rich and powerful of the world. To humble oneself, even from one's position. What is it? And the rest of the psalm, David explains to us his reasons for giving thanks. What is it that draws upon his heart? Here, brother and sister, I would have you look with me at, at our own hearts and see in our own hearts if we too are drawn by these reasons of David to give him thanks. This is God's breathed out word to us. God wants us to hear this and to say and to acknowledge this truth and to draw us into a wholehearted thanksgiving. There are eight. Number one, God's love. I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And although the, we could in a sense say those are two separate things, we'll actually come back to thankfulness at the very end of the, the message as well. What David is really doing is he's combining that love and faithfulness together. We, we separate it here in our English, but, but David's really drawing it together. He's, he's talking about and saying, Lord, I'm giving you thanks because of your enduring love, your love that has no end, a love that is a covenant love, a love that is a promised love, a love that you have promised to me and you have never broken. Lord, I, I am bowing before you. I am giving you wholehearted thanksgiving. And I'm willing to acknowledge that even before the other kings of this world. Because Lord, you have shown me your covenant love. You have shown me your enduring love. Now if you stop and think about this, and you ask yourself the question, what might David be referring to there? Well, if you go back in David's life, there's a lot of things it could be referring to, isn't there? Because David's no perfect man. But even in the affair of Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah, the insurrection of his son, the horrors that take place within his family, David still steps back and sees God's enduring love through it all. Through it all. God's love continued to pour itself upon David's life. See, I'm willing to give you wholehearted thanks, Lord, because you've never given up on me. You never quit on me, Lord. 
Lord, I gave you so many opportunities, David could have said. I gave you so many reasons you could have backed out of your promises. But Lord, you didn't. Your love stayed there day after day after day, event after event. Lord, your love was there. How could I not give you wholehearted thanksgiving? How could I not acknowledge you before all people? How could I not open my mouth and acknowledge what it is that you have done for me in the greatness of your love and mercy that has been poured out upon my life? Psalm 136, there's two psalms before this. We read over and over again that refrain, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Why? For his steadfast love endures forever. Over and over and over again beats the drum. His steadfast love endures forever. Why give God thanks? His steadfast love endures forever. See, that's why I go back to this. This is David's profession. This is where the the true believer stands. He sees through the dark providences and sees the smiling face of God. He confesses that God's steadfast love has been with him. In spite of his own unworthiness. Second, not only God's love, but also God's name and God's word. That's numbers two and three. Look at Psalm 138 again. Give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Now this doesn't mean that David is saying that God has said there are a couple of attributes of mine that are greater than another. Now this is from David's perspective. In David's perspective as he, as he thinks about his relationship with the Lord, two things that, that, that just kind of keep hitting David over and over and again. And that is that the Lord has given him the name. The Lord. And God has made promises to him as the Lord. See, what's in view here is 2 Samuel chapter 7. God comes to David and he says, David, as your covenant Lord, I promise you, I promise you, you will have a king that sits upon the throne forever. Your house shall never end. And as David is now reflecting upon God's promise, God has been true to his name. He has not denied himself, he has not denied his promise. Next next year, Lord willing, the, the RYS convention is going to be at Dort, and, and the theme is going to be on the promises of God, and I already can't wait. 
I mean, it's like to, to hear again the promises that God makes to us that are sure. That, that they're not conditional promises that He makes to us as His people. They are sure promises in Jesus Christ. See, if the promises were not in Christ, yes, then they're conditional. But in Christ, there is no condition to the promise. For all God's promises are amen and amen in Jesus Christ. What David is seeing here is through the lens of prophetic history. He is seeing the righteous reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's seeing the fact that the Lord will indeed be faithful to the promise that he has made to him, to David, a shepherd boy. And God has exalted in David's mind above all things his name, the Lord, and his promise, his word, that a king shall ever, forever sit upon the throne and rule and reign his people. Fourth, let's go down to verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. Here's the fourth reason now that David gives for for giving God that wholehearted thanks. It's the fact that God is an answering God. He hears the pleadings of our hearts. But David gives us the key to this because, you see, we're so often, yeah, but Lord, I, I prayed about these things and it didn't seem like it came about. But notice that's not where David goes. David's not talking about our wants. David's talking about our greatest need. The strengthening of our soul. The Lord answers. He strengthens our soul to do that which we think we will never be able to endure. I am sure there are some of you in this room who could stand up at this moment and testify and say, because of such and such an event, I thought life was over. And I don't think I could have faced the next day. And I pleaded with the Lord. And what does the Lord do? He strengthens the soul. So that what? We get up the next morning and we face the day. What is, the, what is it that we, we read a few weeks ago? That I awake and I am still with thee. We worry and worry about a surgery that's coming up or a test that we're going to have and we plead with the Lord. And what does the Lord do? He strengthens our soul. So that we can step back and we can say, my only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It was fully paid for all my sins and I belong to Him. He strengthens our soul. What, what reason is there to give this God wholehearted thanks? To stand and to testify to it. To make a profession of one's faith in a church 
even as Anna has done tonight. Visit the Lord answers. And he strengthens our soul to face life, to face death, to face the consequences of our sin, to deal with the realities of a sinful life it lived in a sinful world. God gives us that strength of soul. Of course he's to be thanked wholeheartedly. Fifth, God's glory. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of of the Lord. What an interesting perspective, right? We go back to verse 1. I'll give you thanks even before these mighty kings. And now David says, another reason I'm going to give you thanks is because there is coming a time in which all of these kings are going to acknowledge your glory. Why then should I be hesitant about giving you thanks now? Do you, know, do, you know, do you see the passage that David has in view? This is Philippians chapter 2. You have given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. See, let, let's go back to the boardroom. We're in the boardroom filled with all of these executives, powerful, mighty people who could probably crush us like bugs, right? And we're afraid to acknowledge God. Do you realize that someday every one of those individuals is going to be on their knee before Jesus Christ acknowledging Him as Lord? And they will need to do so for all eternity. Lord, I'll give you wholehearted praise before these mighty men because I see the day of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ over all. Perhaps as a, as a young person, you, you think about you know, acknowledging Jesus Christ before kids at school who, who perhaps oh, like to shred Christians, who like to tear them apart, make fun of them, mock them. Well, you know, I'll just hide my Christianity because I don't want to go through that. Think about the picture that someday those who laugh and taunt are going to be down upon their knees, forced into that position by the mighty ones of Christ and be forced to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord and King. Doesn't make the picture quite as fearful to face each day. See, and you can multiply that over and over and over again, can't you? In your workplace, in our dealings with individuals in various capacities of life. But we, we, we so often hide our Christian life. 
It's one of the things as well, not only besides that courage that I mentioned that, that I've come to appreciate in knowing Anna over the years and seeing her in various capacities is there is no hiding of Christ. But Christ is lived large. Christ is lived full. As Christ ought to be in every one of our lives. What do we have to, what are we embarrassed about as a Christian? What are we afraid of as a Christian? Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, I give you thanks because I see the end. I see your glory filling the earth. Reason number six, verse six. For the lo- though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Any, any New Testament parable come to mind as I read that verse? Do, do you think of Jesus teaching the parable of the Pharisee and the publican? Here's the, the high, the haughty, the proud. The Lord knows him from afar. That man did not go home justified. But the one who beat his chest, the one who would not look at other men, the one who who simply exclaimed, I am a sinner. That one I know. The Lord regards the humble. The one who is contrite. One of the questions Anna answered tonight is the question, do you acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you abhor and humble yourself before God. What a needed and necessary question for one's profession. That's what David is doing. David is saying, one of the reasons, Lord, I give you thanks is because you regard those who grovel because of their sin. Who are not haughty, who are not proud, who are willing to say, I am a sinner, I am a sinner, I am a sinner. Saved by grace. Give wholehearted. I think in verse 6, I can see David. The moment the finger of Nathan points towards him and says, you are the man. And we don't read an argument. We don't read objections. We don't read of David giving reasons. I have sinned. An open, humble acknowledgement. And yet, God regards that that man Jesus said went home justified Lord I can give you wholehearted thanks because of your grace you regard the humble reason seven God delivers 
Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. This is David's theme, isn't it, as you read through the Psalms. The Lord is always his refuge. The Lord is his rock. The Lord is his fortress. The Lord is always his deliverer. The Lord is always the one that has been the one who has guarded and guided and kept David's life. Think about that verse as you go back now to Psalm 23. And here David again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You want the commentary of verse 7 of Psalm 138? It's Psalm 23. You want the understanding? Read Psalm 23. See, David understands that it is the Lord who is his deliverer, and it's the Lord alone. Anna answered the question, do you look to Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? That powerful message that we heard from from Reverend Marcusy at RYS about grace. And that the only possible means of our salvation is Christ. We're just burned up ash. And Christ restores. Christ alone is our salvation. See, that's why I said at the beginning that that this psalm is so fitting for a profession because we're hearing the acknowledgments that that Anna made, perhaps in a different form, but, but yet they're coming back to the same truths. The truth of God's Word. The truth of our condition. The reality of who the Lord is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The reality of our deliverance in Christ the reality of our desire to live for His glory and praise. With my whole being, I give you wholehearted thanksgiving. But there is an eighth. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. What a beautiful profession. It's the reminder... Anna gave to us at, at her profession of her favorite text is that Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless, not to curse. Yes, God has plans. And David is heaping on that and saying, and I know God not only has plans, I know God will fulfill those plans. I know God will bring everything to completion. 
There's a lot of Philippians tucked into this passage. I referenced it a couple of times already. Let me reference one more. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Taking notes, just kind of write that in. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, writes Paul, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion the day of Jesus Christ. See, that's Paul's profession. I know, I know that God will fulfill his purpose. I know God will fulfill his plan. See, and that's what we can say to you tonight, Anna, as well, in good confidence. God will fulfill his purpose. God will fulfill his plan. What that plan is, you're expecting me to say I don't know, but I do know. I do know what God's plan is for Anna Vandersloot. Do you? Do you know God's plan for you? As a believer in Jesus Christ, do you know his plan for you? He's told you. This is not a mystery. This is, this is, this is not something like, boy, I don't know what the plan is. He's told you the plan. His plan is to take every single event that occurs to you in your life, Anna, and use it to conform you to the glorious image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Every event. So the next time you go to the buffet and they, you didn't forget or you forgot to ask about what ingredients and you have some sort of reaction, every event conforming you to the glorious image of Christ. Now let's go back to the beginning. Why could you not give God wholehearted thanks? You step back and you go, every single thing that occurs, God is going to use. He didn't say it was good. He didn't say I'm just going to use good things. He doesn't say everything is good, but God does promise that everything I will use, God will fulfill His purpose in my life, is David's testimony. Jeremiah's testimony is, I know the plans I have for you. Paul's testimony is, Jesus Christ will bring it to completion. Our testimony is, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Wherever I am, wherever I be, since tis God's hand that leadeth me. Father, thank You for leading us to this psalm to consider. Thank You, Lord, for leading Anna in her heart by the work of Your Holy Spirit the desire to make a a profession of her faith here tonight and before the elders of the church. Thank you for moving in her heart long before this to love you, 
so that father she too could could say as we sang last week and to acknowledge that father once i learned to love you i discovered that it was you loving me all along father thank you for those who in the past months have stood and made professions of faith for those who have acknowledged their desire to have their children be part of a covenant family, be part of the visible church. Thank you, Father, for those who have entered into Christian marriages. Thank you for fulfilling your purposes in our life and conforming us to Christ. The greatest, the greatest thing that we could ever desire as a believer is to be like Christ. That's what you're doing. Father, may we not be mere bystanders. May we not give to you half-hearted thanks. But Lord, by the power of your Spirit, breathe in us your truth so that we might live out your truth in this world for the glory, for the honor of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and God's people say, Amen.